I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. I'm here with Fred Coast of High Trust. And Fred, we've been talking about regulatory compliance and more specifically GDPR. And of course, GDPR is a European regulation, but it's going to have a broad impact because so many organizations uh, today, even if they're U.S.-based, do have operations in Europe. And this particular regulation takes effect in May 2018. What are some of the questions that you're hearing from organizations and how is High Trust kind of stepping in to help organizations address some of their concerns about GDPR? Okay. Yeah, Trace, it's a good question. We're, uh, I mean, I think you highlight something important. A lot of people think, oh, it's a European regulation, so therefore maybe I don't have to worry about it. And and we're hearing from you know lots of U.S.-based customers, particularly large organizations, that really are wrestling with that because their data is very global. They have you know data from European customers and vice versa. So it, it's much more than just a European issue. And and I think there seems to be a lot more organizational concern. I think because you know the way GDPR is written, it's fairly comprehensive. It has, you know, some very specific sort of enforcement, punitive kind of fines and such uh, defined within it. And so I think the, just the, the way the regulation has been written and scoped, it, it seems to have a lot of substance. But I think on the flip side of that, I think there's a lot of organizations also, they're at a point in their sort of data center transformation or build out where they're starting to use cloud and new technologies and sort of this idea of your data can be anywhere, your data center can be anywhere enables a lot of really good things, but also may kind of fly in the face a little bit with some of the GDPR requirements of, you know, nailing down your data, data privacy, and how you handle data. So I think that's, um, you know, the way it's scoped and the, the sort of the punitive nature with the technology intersection is creating a lot of challenge. You had mentioned earlier that the first part of all of this is knowing what kind of data you have and where it is. and you know, of course the cloud does pose some unique challenges. So if you are using many different clouds and you have data in the cloud, what's the answer? Yeah, so I think knowing, you know, what data you have and where is it, it's kind of like, uh, if you look back at the, when the CASB market or the cloud access security broker market came to be, people were using SaaS applications inside corporations. You had no idea of what your employees were doing and organizations had to sort of get a handle on that, like, okay, where in the cloud or which SaaS apps are my users using? And they began to gain visibility, put policies, and begin to enforce that. So I think a similar thing's happening in sort of data. It's understanding, okay, what kind of data you have? Where is it? You know, which cloud provider is it either primarily hosted in or where are my backup copies? And then is it data that, you know, is regulatory controlled or not regulatory controlled? I think things like PCI have sort of started to drive some good thinking there, but you really have to understand, you know, the data, what kind of policies need to be wrapped around it, and what are the consequences of some of those policies? And then that may drive, okay, now what do I do to protect or deploy data centers where that data is going to reside? And so how would you protect those data centers? Is encryption the best way to ensure that that data, regardless of what kind of data it is, is, is protected? Yeah. So I think, you know, one of the things that, that comes up in, in GDPR, some regulations such as even Safe Harbor before it was sort of um, fall, fell to the side. but is, well, you know, where is the data from a geographical perspective? And so, hey, how can I know where it is and, you know, have policies around that? And, um, again, in this kind of cloud world, that may seem difficult, but if you look at cloud providers, they're building data centers in different parts of the world, and, and we can talk more about sort of how you begin to tie down the location. But the other part is what you mentioned is encryption, in that, you know, if I can encrypt that data, um, I know it's protected, and unless you have the keys or access, no one else can see it. And so then the, you know, I think the challenge or the issue becomes, well, 
who's controlling the keys, how are you controlling the keys, and how do I know where that data is residing? So encryption solves a lot of it, but then there's a couple other fine pieces there that still need to be checked off the list. Yeah, because encryption kind of creates its own challenges, especially from the key management perspective. Yeah, and, and encrypting is good, but it's sort of, it's the, you know, it's a bulk mathematical operation that, you know, obfuscates data. Okay, well, how do I ensure that someone doesn't, you know, I, to make that data usable, it's got to be decrypted and used, and so you've got to have keys around. So what becomes really important is, okay, well, what kind of policies, what kind of controls do I have around the keys that will then unlock that data? Again, it's, it's, the data's not usable without the keys, and so you end up with a population of keys and users using those keys, um, and then also, you know, that data running on different servers potentially around the world, where if I've got the key and I've got the data, does that mean I can open up this workload and peer into it. Let's say it's a workload that needs to stay in Germany, but somehow it's been stolen or relocated to outside of Germany. Well, if someone has the key and they can open that data up now, I potentially expose myself to you know fines, regulatory uh, impact because I've sort of violated that regulatory uh, requirement that the data is not supposed to leave that country. So I thought I had encryption and it was protected, but it was actually accessed outside that country. So what's the answer then? How, how are you helping organizations kind of wrap their brains around all of this as they move toward ensuring that they're compliant with GDPR by May 2018? Yeah, so one is, one is to do encryption, and I, and I think be able to do the encryption across platforms, because we see customers that, you know, they don't just have one platform, particularly public cloud platforms, they may have multiple platforms. So being able to do this encryption across you know, multiple cloud providers. Um, but the second part of that is, being able to have rich, you know, key controls or controls around generation of keys, uh, revocation of keys, who has access to the keys, and even getting into things like, you know, rekeying. Um, you know, in your house, you don't think about rekeying because you have control of your keys and such. But if you have a house, lots of visitors coming and going, or teenagers, you might occasionally rekey your house because you don't know who has a key. And so, while the regulatory things also drive a rekeying process, which can be a, a real operational challenge. So it's you know having the encryption, having you know rich policy-based key management, and then operational be able to rotate those keys. And so that that really tackles the encryption part. But then I think there's another piece that uh, is potentially missing, particularly given that a lot of these regulatory controls have a geographical boundary or they have some sovereignty kind of driver. And so the, you know, the term data sovereignty, which uh, I think is a big bunch of words, basically you know, sort of thinking about data and national boundaries and making sure that data doesn't leave somewhere. And so there's actually ways to tie that workload as it's encrypted, make sure it can never run anywhere other than specific hardware in a specific country um, can't be decrypted, the keys can't be used to access that data. So, uh, you know, we have high trust do some things that rely on Intel trusted execution technology to actually bind workloads to hardware that has, you know, credentials built into the, the TPM or the trust module. So a global organization might have servers running in Germany. The TPM, you know, those are tagged as German servers. And so what you can do then is encrypt the data and part of that encryption is relying on that underlying hardware. Uh, so to decrypt access that data, not only do you have to have the key, but it's got to be running on that hardware, which I trust, sort of a root of trust all the way down the hardware. So now a global organization for the most sensitive data or, or that which might fall under uh, some of the regulatory requirements like GDPR, they can really be assured that the data is being handled in a way that, you know, should it workload actually leave that physical server, it's protected and they can prove that. Well, Fred, I'd like to thank you again for your time today. 
Thanks for having me, Tracy. Again, we've just heard from Fred Coast of High Trust. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.